0: In 2018, Trudeau Liberals created a six-member panel, and they were tasked with coming up with a plan that would modernize what is an overly antiquated broadcasting and uh, media set of laws. This was before, you know, even the days of dial-up, these laws came into force. And this is now we are in the era where we are, you know, binging Netflix and other streaming giants on a daily basis. It's it's our daily pastime. So yesterday, this panel delivered a 235-page report. It's a long report, and you know it's going to be in government speak, right? But it did contain close to 100 recommendations on how Canada should evolve. Now, I'm not going to lie to you. I didn't spend the evening thumbing over a 235-page um, report, but I do know that most notably what they are proposing is taxing streaming services like Netflix, requiring a portion of uh, the streamer's operating program uh, program operations to go to creating Canadian content, Just like radio used to. You know, we had to play CanCon. We still do, actually. And uh, giving the CRTC added powers. Now, the Directors Guild of Canada, ACTRA, which is the Actors Union, I'm part of it, and the Canadian media producers uh, seemed very happy about it. Michael Geist is a law professor at the University of Ottawa who holds the Canadian Research uh, Chair in Internet Law. And he joins the show right now. He's not as happy with all of the recommendations. Michael, thanks for being here.
1: Well, thanks for having me. I'm not going to lie. That's exactly what I spent doing my evening last night.
0: Oh, really? All 235 pages? How dry was it?
1: I don't know that it was dry, but it's uh, it's a policy document. Okay. So if you like policy, you like it.
0: Okay, so most this is not aimed at most of us, but it will affect everyone listening. So what recommendations in this report stand out as positive changes to you when we're talking about modernization?
1: Sure, that's a good place to start. And actually, I do think that there are some real positives here. Uh, The panel looks not just at the content and broadcast issues, it looks at telecommunications and the wireless sector, and I think it's got some proposed reforms to try to make that sector more competitive. We know that prices remain high in Canada, and there's an effort to deal with that. They have some good provisions or recommendations to deal with consumer rights when we're dealing with some of those companies. And they've got some, I think, interesting ideas about how the public can become more actively engaged. Engaged in some of this policy making. So there are unquestionably some real positives with respect to the report in those areas.
0: Okay, where do you think the panel got modernization wrong then?
1: It's the content stuff that I think is enormously problematic. CanCon? And- Uh, It's CanCon, but it's more than just CanCon. It's the news industry. It's frankly, it's a whole area that is now being called broadcast. It's basically anything that travels on the internet. Um, It would now be subject to the system, and it envisions vesting enormous powers in our regulator, the CRTC, who they want to rename, but it would basically be doing much the same sort of thing, And uh, to the point of saying levies or mandated spends on Canadian content, the CRTC dictating or determining the discoverability of Canadian content, so going into a Netflix and saying, this is how you have to display some of your content to make sure that it's displayed appropriately, and they actually don't even s- just stop with Netflix, they do it in the news area too, so that news aggregators that Google News is, and the Yahoo Newses of the world, would be subject to regulation, they'd be required to link to so-called trusted Canadian sites, and it would be the CRTC that would determine which Canadian news sources are trusted
0: Okay, but a- i got to stop you there, Michael because I'm listening to this, and I'm trying to be you know as uh, impartial as I can, and obviously I, I work in media, so it's a little bit difficult. But you know, as an internet user, is uh, like I stream on, it, I stream all the time, and I see the Canadian content, and I mainly pass it by. No offense to a lot of my friends that work in the industry and are producing this Canadian content. Um, but what what's the problem with having like a little um, you know they have uh, BBC television shows? What's the problem with having you know Canadian television shows as a sub? Um, you know, section when I'm perusing my homepage of Netflix.
1: They already have that. Um, and in fact, Canadian content is quite easy to find on Netflix. And if that's what you're looking for and you, you search for Canada or Canadian, you will get a whole subhead of Canadian television and Canadian movies. So it's, it's redundant? Ensuring that you've got that, that, that kind of head, they already do that. Right. It's about saying when you come on the front, they're going to tell Netflix what they've got to display on the front.
0: Oh, on the front page? Yes. Like, so recommendations for you, so about 60%, or let's just break it down, I think 35% of Canadian radio has to be Canadian uh, artists or Canadian content. So uh, in your recommended for Kelly list, you have to have 35% that is CanCon. Something like that could be mandated. Is that what you're saying?
1: Yeah, they haven't specified a percentage, but they're basically saying that the CRTC knows best. We're going to go in and tell Netflix uh, what their customers should be interested in and make sure that those get displayed alongside the stuff that Netflix actually knows you're interested in based on their algorithms.
0: And you're saying that they could do this uh, with news as well?
1: That's that I think is even in many respects the more problematic one. It's not that they could do it; they are rec- the recommendation is to do it with news. Why? So for these news aggregators, they argue that there's concern around obviously fake news and misinformation, and so we need to rely on the regulator to come in and identify which are the Canadian sites that can be trusted, and that require those news aggregators to li- to link to those trusted news sites. The CRTC determining which ones they are, and to determine how prominent those links are. And I should note that all of these sites then have to go back and provide the CRTC with so-called consumption data. Let them know what Canadians are watching. Let them know what Canadians are reading.
0: Well, that's interesting. So they're kind of spying for uh, the government.
1: Well, they're saying the only way the CRTC can go ahead and make good policy is if they know what people are watching and reading, and so we're going to require these companies to do it. And note that this is all Internet-based companies. If you touch on Canada, the argument is the CRTC has the ability to regulate you, and they've they've said that we need big penalties to create a real deterrent against, against foreign-based sites. So they're talking about penalties in the hundreds of millions of dollars for sites and services that don't comply.
0: What do you think that will do to the average... You know, to how we surf the internet and the average person that's consuming um, information online.
1: Well, I think for one thing it's going to increase the cost and decrease the choice that consumers get because I think there's a whole lot of services that are going to say if this is the kind of framework that we're dealing with then Canada is just not a market that we want to serve, And there are unquestionably going to be costs associated with all of this. But the idea that we're going to move to government to make these kinds of decisions, all on the basis that it's not entirely clear there's even a significant problem right now because the panel readily admits that there is a record amount of, of film and television production taking place in Canada right now.
0: Yeah, I mean, we are went into the billions and billions of dollars as far as uh, as our production goes, especially here in Toronto. We're doing really well. How do you think that streaming giants like Netflix, Amazon, Disney uh, would react to a possible mandate for more Canadian stories if, you know, some of their programming dollars and budget has to go to creating Canadian stories?
1: Well, I mean, I think for, for one, there'd be a bit of an irony there. You know, Netflix struck a deal with the government just a couple of years ago in which they said they would spend at least $500 million over five years on production in Canada. They passed that by in two years. And they're now, according to the CRTC, the largest producer of, Canadian, of content in Canada uh, amongst all producers. But so, the
0: irony of that is that it does not classify as CanCon, right? Because of the way that we classify our CanCon. Like Handmaid's Tale, you think it's a no-brainer. That's a Canadian show. It's Margaret Atwood, but it's by Hulu, and they do use Canadian talent, and they do film it up here, but it's not a Canadian production. I mean, do we have to reclassify what we say is CanCon?
1: That's a fabulous point, and I think that that is one of the real issues, and the panel walks away from that issue altogether and says they're not going to address it, but there is a significant problem when... Netflix can't create Canadian content because, by definition, they can't tick the box of being a Canadian producer. And that's one of the requirements of, being Canadian, of, of meeting that Canadian content standard. And so you're quite right. There are all sorts of, of productions that most would take a look at and say, surely that's Canadian. It's a Canadian story, and yet it doesn't count. And then we get all kinds of other programs that Toronto was made to look like New York, and they've ticked the right boxes, and suddenly that's a Canadian story.
0: Yeah, that's interesting because the whole push here that the government always talks about is we need to preserve our heritage and talk about uh, how, you know, what Canadians are dealing with in our Canadian stories. But the reality is uh, we're not necessarily telling Canadian stories. So why would the panel drop the ball on that?
1: Yeah, that part's a disappointing part, and part of it is because I think some of the industry groups that have been lo- that were lobbying that panel that wanted to see the the kind of outcome where there was mandates for hundreds of millions of new dollars coming in don't want those issues reexamined. If you're part of the club, if you're one of the boxes that gets
0: ticked, like producers, you don't want to see changes. Yeah, like producers. Because
1: producers, screenwriters, and right. a series of other players. But if you are an author and it's your work that's used, it doesn't matter for the purposes of Canadian. But
0: aren't they being like overly protective and a bit paranoid? Because look at all of the people that are getting work in Canada.
1: Yes, and I think and I think part of the problem here is that those that are arguing for this flip back and forth between the economic arguments of saying we want to ensure that there's a thriving industry and the cultural arguments around stories. So when it's an economic argument, initially it was those, these, these large players, unless they're forced to pay, will never invest in Canada. That's been proven wrong, so then it flips to the stories mm-hmm. as well. We want to ensure there's those Canadian stories. Yet the problem there is the system itself needs to be re examined because it doesn't do a very good job of ensuring that what we're actually doing is telling Canadian stories.
0: Could this backfire in the Canadian industry?
1: Well, I'm not sure it's going to backfire, but I hope that some of these provisions end up on a dusty shelf mm-hmm. because uh, I think that I think there's no question that we need to examine our rules and make sure that they are relevant for the internet era but the idea that what we want to create is a regulatory superstructure and vest that kind of level of power with the CRTC I think is problematic from a freedom of expression perspective I think it would violate some of our trade obligations with now the United States and I think at the end of the day it's the consumer that's gonna end up paying.
0: Do you think that the government is wanting to you know increase CRTC's powers in order to kind of flex its muscles and say look at you've been operating within the wild wild west you're making money here off Canadians we're not getting a piece of it New sheriffs in town uh, give us some of the revenue here.
1: Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, I'm not sure. Let's, let's, let's be clear. This is an independent panel, so it's not the government. So we're not sure yet how the government's going to react to some of it. And there are things that I think the government will adopt. For example, sales tax on Netflix seems like a, an inevitability, and the panel recommended doing that. Whether or not they want to go these, these steps further, I'm not so sure. The governments have traditionally liked to be able to beat up on the CRTC a little bit. Whether or not they want to empower them in this kind of way, I guess, remains to be seen.
0: The CBC, let's touch on that for a second. Um, they also are, one of the recommendations is the CBC go commercial free within the next five years, I believe. Uh, that would essentially turn it into a sort of a PBS. Would it be, are they proposing full-on government funding? Because that's always been a problem for the CBC with, you know, because they have a lot of people that they employ. Um production's very expensive, especially in the television realm. I mean, they're producing high quality TV as well and content. Um, are, are we looking at some sort of like PBS model where you know subscribers have to start ponying up more cash?
1: Well, if by subscribers you mean taxpayers then Yeah, yeah.
0: like funding uh, funding drives as well. Well, I'm
1: not sure that they envision funding drives. I think what they envision is full funding. So the idea would simply be that the, the public broadcaster serves a different role from the commercial broadcasters. It it ought to not compete for some of the advertising dollars and it's still sufficiently important and relevant that the public ought to pay for it.
0: Michael, um, if you had a crystal ball, would you? What would your guess be? This government's going to do with these recommendations?
1: Well, as I say, I think some of some of them are easy. The the tax issue, for example, on sales tax, I think uh, we'll probably see in the next budget, just a couple of months from now. Uh, on these other issues, that's a really tough call. I mean, I think they're going to do something. They've actually said they are going to do something. I would be surprised, and I think uh, concerned, if they went as far as this panel did. Uh, because I think that's gonna, it's just going to land in the courts in terms of people challenging the viability and the legality of some of these proposals. I think the, some of our major trading partners are going to say it violates those obligations. And I think that Canadians on the whole are going to look at this and, and not quite understand what's broken to the point that we need this level of government interference and regulation with services that people choose to be part of. They're not required to opt into these kinds of things. People who subscribe to Netflix do so because they like it, not because they're required to do
0: so. Michael, thank you so much for joining us. I appreciate your time.
1: Oh, it's my pleasure. Thanks for having me.
0: Cheers. Michael Geist, the law professor at the University of Ottawa, holds the Canada Research Chair in Internet Law.